everybody. I'm Aaron Martell. And I'm Ray Zimmer. And welcome to Albumatics, a podcast where we discuss and analyze a musical album of our choice. This episode is part two in a special album series where we take an artist and review their entire discography in order of release. We're calling this series On the Beat with the Police, and we're reviewing the police discography in order, so that means on this second episode we're covering the police's second album, Regatta de Blanc. We even have special theme music for this album series composed and performed by Matt Fleming. Thanks, Matt. So, Ray, we're calling the police again. Give us a recap of your police rap sheet and where you come in with Regatta de Blanc. <laughs> well, I got busted by these bobbies on Trafalgar Square when I was on a seventh grade trip to the UK. And uh, I realized, you, you guys don't have guns. You can't do anything to me. I'll just run. Uh, <laughs> like most people, I think, in our age group, I, the, I, the first thing I remember hearing by them was Roxanne. And then, like, you know, there's varying singles that would pop up on, you know, the top 40 radio stations right up until Synchronicity. I think it was probably made my early 30s when I got the, the Police's Greatest Hits, and then I was just kind of hooked. And as far as this album is concerned, I only started listening to it, like, last week, and, <laughs> and I'm the better for it. All right. All right. So as I said on the last Police episode, I got into the band through the music videos for the Ghost in the Machine singles around 81, I think it was, 1981. I think, yeah. And I ended up buying that album on cassette, and then I was hooked on the Police from then on. And then I got Synchronicity. It was around 84. It had been out for a little while. I think I got it like the next year. But, you know, you heard the singles on the radio all the freaking time. And then a few years later, I worked my way back through the catalog. So I picked up Regatta de Blanc probably either at the very end of the 80s or right at the beginning of the 90s. You had to be, it was right after I switched over to CDs because I never owned this on cassette. So, of course, I knew Message in a Bottle and Walking on the Moon, and that was it at the time. So that's where I come in on this one. Now I'll give you some basic facts about this record, and this comes straight from Wikipedia, so fact-checking is completely unnecessary. <laughs> Regatta de Blanc is the second studio album by English rock band The Police, released on October 2nd, 1979 by A&M Records. It was produced by Nigel Gray and The Police, and one track was recorded in 1978, with the rest recorded from February to August 1979 at Surrey Sound Studios, Leatherhead, Surrey, England. It reached number one on the UK Albums Chart, and number 15 on the US Billboard 200 Chart, and is certified platinum by both the BPI and the RIAA. And here's the band's lineup card. We've got Sting on bass guitar, lead vocals, backing vocals, double bass, and bass synthesizer. Andy Summers on guitar, synthesizer, and piano. And Stuart Copeland on drums, backing vocals, guitar, and lead vocals. Okay, let's get into a track-by-track analysis of this album. We start off with Message in a Bottle, written by Sting. Ray, what do you think? Man, this song is a classic part of a classic rock staple for a reason. That opening guitar riff is just, you know, Andy Summers, like in summation, as far as like his style is concerned. He's always been known for his arpeggiated guitar figures. I mean, take a look at Every Breath You Take. It's mm. a fine example of something along those lines. And actually, I think second to him, I would say Alex Lifeson does get a lot of, a lot of credit for that too, but he's also a lot, uh, 
got a, kind of a similar arpeggiated style. Yeah, he does. Which I really like. And as far as the, the singing on the song, Sting is a vocal melody writer supreme. He always has been. I mean, he can do anything with like just two or three notes and know where to, to extend the certain note and hold it and just to have it interact with the chord chemistry in the song. And it just sounds brilliant. Um, I think the melody in the verse section is absolutely beautiful. But I got to say, I always love the way he sings, Another lonely day. <laughs> like he's some German castaway. Like I never got it. And it still cracks me up. What's the matter, Gordon? Don't you like your normal British accent? <laughs> yeah. And I like how it goes from like new wavy sounding and then goes straight to four on the floor rock at the 31 second mark. What I also always dug was the way the vocal harms kind of build up from one to three voices. And uh, I hope that someone gets my section. When we finally get to the message in a bottle section where they start singing that, Sting lays down this bass line that initiates tantric sex with your eardrums. <laughs> the bass figure is so tasty, you want it to go on for like a six-hour session. <laughs> Andy Summers gets some sweet guitar licks towards the end, and it kind of reminds you that this guy came out of the tail end of the British Invasion blues rock scene, like with the animals. So it's, as far as album openers go and as far as picking a single, this was a choice one to use. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is classic police, right? What you mm. said was summer shimmery arpeggiated riff, Sting's bass pushing the groove, and Copeland's idiosyncratic drumming with rhythmic focus on the hi-hat. He's a master hi-hat player. It's new wave with background synths, and then there's reggae overtones in the rhythm as well as Sting's delivery, but it's not as blatant as they can sometimes get, I mean, including later on this album. I love all the little fills and flourishes Copeland adds. He had such a unique style, and his sound is unmistakable. Summers once said this is his favorite Copeland drum track, which was overdubbed from about six different parts, apparently. <laughs> Sting had this tune for a while, and he was fiddling with it for a different song, but after the police's first American tour, he rearranged it, and Summers added what Sting called his lovely colors on the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> the chorus hook will grab you. I will send an SOS to the world. And the lyrics are fantastic about a castaway on an island who sends a message in a bottle so he can be rescued and find love. And after a year, there's no response and he's despairing. But the next day, he sees a hundred billion bottles washed up on the shore and he knows he's not alone feeling this way. That's the message. He's not alone. This is a classic rock staple, like you said, and it's one of the police's signature tunes and was the first single from the album, reaching number one on the UK singles chart. The next track is the title track, Regatta de Blanc, written by Andy Summers, Sting, and Stuart Copeland. Ray, your thoughts? I love the weird delay effect going on in the rim clicks played by Stuart Copeland. I mean, he uses a lot throughout there. I don't know if that's like kind of a standard thing to do in reggae, but there's reggae all over this album. We kind of get some airy atmospheric guitar arpeggios from Andy Summers, and you get this repeated stuttering bass figure from Sting. Then the mood switches to a more major key, and Andy Summers kind of futzes around with some natural harmonics on the electric guitar while Sting repeats the same bass note. And I got to say that Sting is probably the only true master of rock and roll scat singing. 
Sí, the do, 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 the da, da, da. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh. It's like, how did he not end up on an episode of Electric Company? It's like, hey, 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 oh, you, and sometimes why? You know, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of like, you know, as you mentioned, use this word, I think it applies. It's kind of idiosyncratic, but I think it's fucking cool. It, it's, it's, it's part of a, his stamp on rock and roll culture, as far as I'm concerned. Um, at the one minute fifty seven second market, it gets rockier. The guitar riff that Andy Summers plays sounds like it had a lot of influence on a guy who I really am into is Paul Reynolds from A Flock of Seagulls, hmm. and it's like all over the charts. The tone, the slapback effects, and the repetition. I can almost picture a young bespectacled Reynolds listening and practicing along with the song. So this is this is a nice fucking track, man. I'm, I'm really digging it. All right, cha, <laughs> cha, cha. Yo, 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 yeah, yeah, yo, yo, yeah, yeah, yo, yeah, yo, yeah, yo, yeah, 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 yeah. That was perfect, dude. The following track is "It's All Right for You," written by Sting and Stuart Copeland. Wait, wait, wait! That was your review. Yeah. <laughs> what? What's wrong with it? No, that's no, it's perfect. Oh, okay, I've, good. Never, I've, never, I've never heard you give a review of a track like that. It's it's refreshing. <laughs> Unless you've done it before on other podcasts and I just wasn't aware. Of I don't know. <laughs> Dude, it's awesome. Dude. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. Yes. <clears throat> As I was saying, the following track is It's All Right For You, written by Sting and Stuart Copeland. What do you say? This song is a straight-out rocker, and I love it. The vocal melody in the verse is kind of like a monotone shout, which is not really common for Sting, but he kind of pulls it off. The chorus, I got to tell you, and I'm sure there's, like, rabid R4 fans who, like, probably can't fucking stand me. It would, like, look for a way to crucify me. This reminds me of a lot of Aerosmith. Really? <laughs> yeah, I hear a lot of Aerosmith. I could see um, them pulling this off, like, circa rocks without a problem and that, in fact i was like like maybe i should send a suggestion to steven tyler <laughs> that he and fucking perry patch things up again and they cover the song because i mean i take that over walking in the sand um <laughs> yeah no shit <laughs> i would definitely love to hear them cover this and you know what andy summer gets really tasty slide melodies in his guitar solo yeah i love the chorus and in the end summers goes back to his kind of catchy arpeggio style and it goes out in a fade out so the police came up as the punk rock movement was rising in the UK, and though you can hardly call them a punk band, the energy does permeate some of the early material. I mean, this is fast, fairly noisy, and has less emphasis on the reggae element, but those Copeland drums ensure that you know this is still the police. Copeland actually wrote the riffs for this. The vocals are clipped and catchy, you know, punkish. 
Summers plays a slide guitar solo, like you said, the second of two slides he ever played in the police's history, the other one being the opening track next to you on the first album. The mm. chorus still has a catchy hook, and the lyrics are somewhat obscure, but I interpret them to be about a guy who's overwhelmed and stressed out dealing with life and is at the end of his rope, maybe even suicidal. No life, flick knife, finish off my life. I love this track. It just rips by. I always dig the faster police numbers. Oh, yeah. No, they're, they're, they're mint. You know, they, they could have like made just an entire album of that and been fine. Yeah. But, you know, they have to be different. Yeah. Well. <laughs> There's no way Sting would do an entire album like that. The next track is Bring On The Night, written by Sting. Ray, let's have it. This and another one are probably my favorite tracks in the entire album. Mm. Um, you get this kind of cool-ass guitar figure with like a little bit of flange and slapback. Andy Sam- Summers is just a fucking champ as far as I'm considered on this track and pretty much throughout the whole album. And Sting starts singing to the edge of 17 to it. Yes. <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Waddy Wachtel was like, oh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Hey, Stevie, <laughs> check this out. Yeah. <laughs> the verse section has another bl- brilliant arpeggio section. Then it goes into full white boy reggae mode. And anybody who knows me knows that I really can't stand that stuff, except that the police do it. <laughs> and I, I'm going to forgive them for it because they're the police. And they're the only guys who can pull this off in my mind. All right. Um, like I said, Andy's A's on the song. At two minutes and 13 seconds, we get some feedback squealies. And then you get Andy Summers beating the ever-loving shit out of a two-note chord. And I fucking love it. Sting's bass playing is pretty top-notch to this song, and I, I really dig his bass playing in general, so I've never been disappointed in this case, song is case in point. And the, on the way out over the verse section, Summers kind of smacks you in the face with this repetitive guitar licks that's just like straight-out blues rock. Uh, dude, this is a fucking great track. So this song is based on an earlier Sting song called Carrion Prince that he recorded twice with his previous band Last Exit. He brought this in because the band was short on new material for this album, the music in the verses, like you were saying, make me think big time of the Stevie Nicks song, Edge of 17, especially <laughs> with the bass line. Yeah, and then the right. choruses go into straight reggae with Summers playing staccato chords, typical of reggae, and Sting's bass providing melodic counterpoint. There's an anti-solo, which is more or less kind of begins with guitar feedback noise and then like a brief semi-atonal guitar noodle. That guitar solo is so weird, but it's cool. It almost makes me think of a Neil Young solo. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, that I didn't, couldn't put my finger on it, but that's what it is exactly. He did like, like the solo for Cinnamon Girls, basically just one note. One note. Yeah, yeah the entire <laughs> solo. Yep. Yeah. Sting affects his faux Jamaican reggae accent, which is hilarious coming from this white <laughs> British dude. And the lyrics seem to be about a depressed guy who's going through some shit and just wants the day to be over. Bring on the night. I couldn't stand another hour of daylight. This is an odd little track, and there's going to be a few more, but I dig this, man. This was the album's third single that was only released in the United States. The following track is Death Wish, written by Andy Summers, Sting, and Stuart Copeland. Death Wish in the 
Ray, let's have it. This is an interesting kind of a track. I mean, it it doesn't sound like what the title entails, musically anyway. Hmm. Andy Summers kind of hammers on one chord, and he intersperses it with these small, I can only describe it as like Celtic-flavored licks in the intro. It sounds like something that should be played in some sort of Irish reel. Yeah, like a, yeah. Those like little, that little tr- uh, trill thing he does. Yes. And then we get kind of a more of a new wavy kind of break at 37 seconds. And then we go back to the Celtic country phrase for the verse section. And I really like Sting's vocal melody on that part. The song is about 4 minutes and 11 seconds. But it feels almost like I have a quick little interlude. You know, I I, I don't want to downgrade it by saying it's filler because I, I don't think it is. But it's just oddly quick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it blows right by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Copeland leads the way with his polyrhythmic percussion melting into more great hi-hat work with Sting's bass imitating the Bo Diddley groove and Summer's echoed guitar arpeggios adding color. That, you know, his wonderful colors or whatever. <laughs> Sting's vocals have a call-and-response feel with himself, and the lyrics kind of take the depressed dude from the prior song and make him positively suicidal. The second section goes into double time, and Sting's bass imitates the same part he played on Can't Stand Losing You from Outlando's Demore, while the guitar plays very clipped staccato notes, and there's no vocals in this part, but it's cool. It's the second dark, weird track in a row, and fuck me if I don't dig this one, too. Word. So let's flip the imaginary record over and drop the imaginary needle on Walking on the Moon, written by Sting. What do you think, Ray? Believe it or not, the first time I heard this song was in a beer commercial in the 90s. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was like big for that year. I mean, you'd, you'd see it, you know, like while you're watching, you know, Letterman or something like that it would pop on. But yeah, it was like. I this, remember that. It was like this panoramic shot of like these sand dunes and then like somebody like cracks open a beer in here. Boom, 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 boom. Because the nighttime is good time for Miller High Life. <laughs> all right, all or right. Or some fucking beer or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I didn't really know what the song was. And then years later when I bought The Police's Greatest Hits and I heard this, I was pleasantly shocked. I was like, oh, that's where that came from. Um, so as I said, I did get uh, their greatest hits. I think it was probably right at the time that before I mobbed going over to Iraq. And I was stuck in Fort Dix mobbing for like about two months. And um, for some reason, dude, that song just got me through it. I guess the whole... Tradoc thing was they tried to make the fob experience at Fort Dix as miserable as they possibly could. So by the time you got overseas, it was like, dude, this is a gravy train. And <laughs> believe me, it worked because yeah. stay on fob tigers sucked. Man, <laughs> it's just like you get like a shower like every five days. When you did get to the shower, it was just mud and sand anywhere. So you're just uh. dirtier than when you got in. Yeah. And you'd have like these bomb drills all the time. You'd have to like if they had like a like the, an air raid or like a, a like a bomb attack, a simulated one, you had to go run and touch a water buffalo like you were playing fucking tag. Oh man! Yeah, all the army guys are pretty good at it. The air force guys are sat there walking around and they're like with their rollerblades over their back, like what's going on here? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was funny. Aim high, huh? Yeah. Uh, this is a fucking great track. Andy Summers plays this weird kind of. It's a weird ass variation on the D minor seven chord. 
that it must be well, pretty well known to the Brits because John McGeeock used it in Spellbound by Susan the Banshees. It's this really kind of, and it's almost like a full bar with your fir- first finger, and then you use like your pinky and your ring. Well, anyway, it, I'm not, it's me explaining it's not going to be doing you any good, but <laughs> it's a cool ass chord. Uh, that simple bass figure has become pretty famous now. Um, yeah, the, the boys are definitely in full blown reggae mode. And Stuart Copeland loves the shit out of rim clicks with delay on this album. And that's not a bad thing. It's just noticeable. Yeah. And especially on this song, this is a great song. Now this is a cool track and it was originally called walking round the room. <laughs> the <laughs> bass is slow sustaining with long notes along with summer's chorus and echoey reggae guitar. While Copeland just does his thing on the rim and the hi-hat it's busy, but it doesn't step on the toes of the other instruments. And there's an unmistakable sense of space. There's like a coldness. You can almost imagine yourself on the moon. Your movements seem like they're in slow motion. The gravity is lesser and your steps seem gigantic. I mean, you've seen the footage of the astronauts on the moon. They, they move like they're, like, like they're in <laughs> slow motion. It looks weird. Yeah. It's funny. The chorus doubles down on the reggae groove, and it's a catchy earworm that won't leave your ear canals no matter how much you Q-tip them. The lyrics are great, man. Giant steps are what you take walking on the moon. I hope my leg don't break walking on the moon. <laughs> he compares falling in love to being on the moon. Your steps are lighter and more weightless. I, dude, I got to give a shout out to my buddy Rick Vickery, who was with me at, at Fort Dix. Like, because he rewrote the song. It was like, giant shits are what we take living on the fob. <laughs> oh, no, that's awesome. <laughs> he had this whole set of them. It was funny as all hell. And like, every once in a while, I'd be walking to chow and he'd be like, Giant shits are what we take. <laughs> it's just, you know, you go for long periods of that sleep and the stupidest thing becomes funny, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it does. That sounds funny, and I'm, you know, I'm not even that sleepy. <laughs> Sting claims he wrote this song while he was drunk in a Munich hotel room, and it kind of sounds like it with that faint, weird synth part laid in the track and his breezy vocal. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> This was the second single that reached number one in the UK singles chart. Their second number one off this album. The next track is On Any Other Day, written by Stuart Copeland. My wife is proud to tell me of her love affairs. How could she do this to me? My wife has burnt a scrambled egg. The dog just How about this one, Ray? You know, I know this song is completely jackass, but I fucking love it. Yeah. You know, not every song has to be about unrequited love and the deep meaning of life. And I like it when artists don't take themselves super seriously. This is a case in point. Uh, the theme itself of the plights of suburban domestic life is one that they kind of revisit on Synchronicity Part 2. Yeah. In this case, Stuart Copeland and Sting sound awesome together. And Copeland, Copeland kind of taking on the role of the beleaguered father in a really dysfunctional family. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't hate this song. I, I kind of enjoy it, man, I got to say. You want something corny? You got it. <laughs> this is one of those songs that are completely the police. It doesn't sound like anyone else. It's got a medium-fast tempo with Copeland pushing the rhythm with pulsing bass and plink, 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 plink staccato guitar. The chords open up in the chorus, though, and the tune rocks a little harder. And these lyrics are supremely goofy, and they crack me up. I can't help it. The chap, who is our narrator, is having one hell of a birthday day. 
He cut off his fingers in his car door. Plus, not only is his wife having multiple affairs, she also burned the scrambled eggs. God damn it. Fuck it. The dog bit his leg. His teenage daughter ran away, and his fine young son turned out gay. The horror. Happy fucking birthday. At <laughs> least been the- fine on any other day. <laughs> <laughs> at least the kitty voices at the end of the track are singing it to him, so I you know there's a little relief there. Copeland takes the lead vocal, and his voice doesn't have the style and flair of Sting's, but it suits this sordid tale perfectly. If I objectively take a look at this song, it's obvious filler, and I shouldn't like it, but man, I sing that chorus, and it would be okay on any (laughs) other day. And they've hooked me. I actually love this. I can't help it. If you don't, that's complete bullshit. (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) The following track is The Bed's Too Big Without You, written by Sting. Ray, do it. <laughs> we get another very cool guitar figure laid over the top of some reggae upstroke pattern. Sting's bass line is infectious as usual. At points, Sting and Andy Summers have been locked into the same note pattern, which sounds boss as fuck, like at one minute and 24 seconds. That That's fucking cool, man. Mm. I, I can't hate this song. This is a great, great, great track. Even though it's all reggae? Even though it's all reggae, man. Oh, that's right. The, you gave the police a pass. Right, they get right. a pass. Okay, um, okay. Bad bands like Magic from Canada? No, sorry. <laughs> it doesn't cut. First of all, I love the title of this song. And this track originally started as a last exit tune like Bring on the Night. So this is basically full-on reggae and both the guitar and the start and stop rolling bass with new wave style drumming that dominates the track, all done in the police fashion. And Copeland does cool rhythmic variations as well as adding shaker percussion to the sonic palette. Sting's vocals are a little more stark and, dare I say, a little more heartfelt, which makes sense since the lyrics were inspired by his first girlfriend who committed suicide after they broke up. Ooh, Jesus. Jesus fucking Christ. You don't even have to know that detail to buy into the despair of the narrator. Since that day when you'd gone, just had to carry on. I get through the day, but late at night, made love to my pillow, but it don't feel right. Every day, just the same old rules for the same old game. All I gained was heartache. All I made was one mistake. Well, heavy shit. And emotionally resonant. Fuck, man. And this was the fourth single, believe it or not, but it didn't appear to chart anywhere. The next track is Contact, written by Stuart Copeland. Ray, let's have it. Well, this is a song that's it's my second favorite song on the album. I fucking love it. It starts with an awkward kind of little guitar riff from Summers. It almost kind of kind of reminded me of like the Cars, something that um, Ellie Easton would play. 
Then you get what sounds like synth swells in the verse section underneath the bass line. Maybe it's the bass synth that you were mentioning yes. earlier. Yep, it is. <laughs> and I mean, the lyrics are cool. I, mean, I love that. I got contacts in my phone and in my eyes. <laughs> good wordplay. Yeah, definitely good wordplay. At the 46 second mark, the guitar sounds snappier. And I can't tell 100%, but it sounds to me like he has an envelope filter, which is an effect that mimics the wah-wah pedal. But instead of rocking your foot back and forth on a foot pedal, the effect reacts to how hard you hit the strings. It's actually really kind of a cool effect. Okay. But I'm not 100% sure that he's got an envelope filter, but it sounds a lot like it. Unless he's like really fast on the draw with his wah-wah pedal. Yeah, there's like this steady droning note that swells underneath a lot of this song, and I really dig it. That's really all I got. All right. <laughs> <laughs> dig that crazy bass synth, man. It sounds like an enormous buzzing insect one moment, and then it's like a lumbering sludge monster the next. It's almost too prominent. It kind of swallows up Summer's guitar in spots. We also get another fast, classic, grooving police section where the chorus melody is repeated and you can hear Summers in both right and left channels and you remember that he's still a member of the band. Sting sings the verses right along with the sludge monster. (laughs) And he reaches into his upper register in the chorus. Lyrically, it's about a relationship of some sort that the narrator is uncertain about. He can't tell if he really has a connection with the other person or not. And it's not specified if it's a romantic or platonic relationship. They could be just friends. I don't know. I don't hate this, but for me, it's kind of a lesser track. The penultimate track is Does Everyone Stare? Written by Stuart Copeland. All right, Ray, what do you say? This could be a fucking Randy Newman song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that said, I think the piano part is, is in the beginning is really awesome. And I've always loved songs about like predate jitters and insecurities. Another song is kind of similar to this is Close to Me by The Cure, which is kind of along the same lines. But this song is funny, too. I mean, the part about kicking the woman in the shins accidentally with his big clodhoppers is a fucking riot. Because <laughs> yep. I mean, who hasn't done that? You know, yeah. you're sitting there at dinner and, you know, all of a sudden you're like a, a chunk of steak falls out of your mouth mid-conversation. And that's what it's, it's relatable. Somebody once described the music of the Smiths as love songs for the socially awkward. And that's me. Uh, <laughs> that This song in particular fits that category for sure. So this is a fucking great track. All right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it starts with Summers on loose, almost sloppy piano. While Copeland is on vocals again, pretty buried in the mix, and he's singing about not being good enough for his partner. He feels anxious and inadequate, and he's pretty freaking pathetic. What is it with all them losers on this record? It's another weird-ass Stuart Copeland song. (laughs) Then we get an operatic, (laughs) and the rest of the band fades in as Sting takes over on lead vocals and continues our boy's sad sack story. The piano clangs along, and the entire track is extremely percussive. Only Sting's bass provides any groove, and he even mostly rides on one or two note bass lines. Mm. There's another goofy chorus, though, that gets stuck in my head, and it's another track that I feel like I shouldn't really like, but I just do. And if you don't... (laughs) And that brings us to the final track, No Time This Time, written by Sting. (laughs) 
about this final one, Ray? Holy shit, this song cooks like a motherfucker. And it's kind of funny. I'm just comparing it to Balls to the Wall last week. It's just like the complete opposite effect. They, these guys go out in like this frantic, frenetic pace, and I fucking love it. And they pack a real wall up into like only three minutes and 18 seconds. Listening to it, you can almost hear some elements of ska in this one without a horn section. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I can hear like little bits of that, but other than that, it just drives right along. <laughs> also, listening to this, I can't help but think like Dave Grohl probably listened to this, at least the main guitar riff, and said, gee, I wonder what would happen if I took this riff and put it in a major key. What would happen? Because Dave <laughs> talks like Alan Funt from uh, Canon Camera in my imagination. <laughs> anyway, and then bam, you have the riff to Monkey Wrench. Um, <laughs> they're not completely like I like, hear I, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Oh, shit. What I like about this track too is they give Stuart Copeland these two measure drum breaks on the way out. It's actually kind of refreshing compared to the psychedelic reggae rim clicks peppering out throughout the album. It just showed you that he was a fucking force to be reckoned with. Yeah, for sure. So this was the B side to the So Lonely single from the first album, and they just kind of threw it on this album with overdubbed drums to pad this album out. They didn't have enough material. It's fast and frenetic, with a chopped up groove, characteristic of early police, and it's got a contained kind of punk energy to it. Summers gets a short, honest-to-goodness guitar solo. What, was Sting taking a nap or something? <laughs> Summers never gets the solo. <laughs> Copeland also gets a couple of solo fill sections on the outro, and he makes the most of it. He keeps the energy high as he drives his fucker forward. Sting sings with gusto, and the lyrics are about a guy on the go. He's got no time to converse, smile, care, kiss, have a sandwich, pack a suitcase, buy a morning paper. This poor son of a bitch don't even got time to think. <laughs> this is a good track, but it sticks out like a sore thumb to me. It has a completely different vibe than the rest of the album, which makes sense because it was recorded for the first album. So I like this track a lot, but as the outlier here, I'm going to have to call it Aaron Stinky Stinker. <laughs> Even though it really isn't. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> got to have one, though. You got to have one. I know. My fucking <laughs> rules. <laughs> Now that the track-by-track track is completed, we'll share our final thoughts and album ratings. For you new listeners, the rating is a 0-5 to five system, with 5 being a favorite album of ours, all the way down to a 0, which is having it worse than the Chapin on any other day. <laughs> Ray, what are your final thoughts on Regatta de Blanc? Zimmer's final thought, I'm going to have to go with a 4.5. This is like one of the few bands that can actually make me like reggae outside of the Whalers. It's got great songs. Um, for me, I don't think there's a clinker on here. There was not one rump for me on this one. Ah, that's right. I think actually that Andy Summers really owns this fucking album. Um, it seems in some ways almost a little bit more guitar heavy than Outlandos was, but I'm sure there's somebody out there on podcasts that I'm like, dude, I can't be a fucking water on Ray that they let on that show so that it's more guitar than Outlandos. <laughs> but you know what? Fuck you. This is my take on it. If you want to come on the show, you come on the show. <laughs> There, the gauntlet's thrown down. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you if you can do a better job. Um, so yeah, 4.5 all the way. All right. After completing their tour for their first album out, Landos de Moore, the police had to get on with the business of recording their second studio album. Their label, A&M Records, offered the promising young band a bigger studio and a more famous producer, but they instead opted to use the same studio and producer they had on the first album, ensuring that the budget would stay small and their costs would be covered so that the label would have no say in the police's musical content. Problem was, the band entered the studio lacking enough fresh ideas, so both Sting and Stuart Copeland had to reach into their pasts and pull out previously written tracks to develop for the album. Regatta de Blanc took four weeks to record, spaced out over several months. 
and there was a looseness to the sessions as the police felt no pressure from the label and hadn't even rehearsed the new material before entering the studio. The title Regatta de Blanc loosely translates to white reggae, and when the record was released, it continued to build on the success of the first album, with two UK number one singles and generally positive reviews. The title track also earned the police its first Grammy Award for Best Rock Instrumental Performance in 1980, propelling the police to the forefront of a musical movement that would eventually be termed as post-punk. For me, this album still has that intoxicating blend of reggae, punk, and new wave that makes the early police so interesting and cool. It maintains the dark, lyrical vibe from the first album that would be a hallmark of this band for their entire career. And despite the cobbled-together nature of the album, you might call it less cohesive than the first, most of these tracks really work for me, even the odd ones. The playing and personality shine through. There really was nobody like the police at the time, and the music still sounds fresh to my ears. I give Regatta de Blanc a four, and with this, the band proves that it's no one-hit wonder while we stay on the beat with the police. We got an Apple Podcast review. It's a five-star review titled The Real Deal, and it comes to us from TikTokMan19, and it says... Fantastic show. A must-listen for any fan of rock and roll. Thank you, TikTokMan19. And to all the listeners, we'd love to see more Apple Podcast reviews. It really helps us out. Helps make the podcast more visible to potential new listeners. And as always, rock on. Mm-hmm. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast at places like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it. If you take the time to do that, we'll read your review right here on the show. If you'd like to contact us directly, we can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast, including the Album Addicts branch of the show. You can also recommend the show on Facebook if you prefer to do it that way. And yes, we'll read your Facebook recommendations on the podcast. We're also on Twitter at R4PodcastAaron and Instagram under R4Podcaster. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with us? Let us know and we'll set it up. We're always looking for co-pilots to host the show with us. And we would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. We'd love to hear from you. So for Albumatics, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ray. See ya. Another lonely day. Copeland actually wrote the riffs for this, and the vocals are kind of clipped and catchy, you know, punkish. And the lyrics, and the lyrics, what the fuck did I say? Oh, oh, okay, wait. And the lyrics, did he write the lyrics too? Yeah, I think he did. No, he didn't. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to say it. I'm gonna, I'm, I wrote shit, and I don't know what I wrote, so I'm, I'm just going to have to do this again. I, I don't correct it online. I said, this song is straight out locker. <laughs> Well, now it is for the age group of songs, yeah, but... Is that Captain? Yeah. Yeah, there he is. is. There he is. You lie down, old man? <laughs> Come on, old man. Relax. <laughs> you, you can kick my ass later, old man. He just looks confused, like, why are you bothering me now? <laughs> yeah, you sleep on your side of the bed. Don't get in my side. Yours is your ass imprinted to it. <laughs> yeah, circle around a couple times like you're a wolf in the prairie, batting down the, the long, hair, long grass. All right, there you go. Relax. All right.
<laughs> okay, so that's what Frankie say. <laughs> Don't, Don't do, do it. it. <laughs> it would be funny once just to hear Sting go. <laughs> <laughs> you think he's got it in him? Or <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear him do the Daltry scream and won't get fooled again. <laughs> Tyson told me he could, but it was like draw small rodents. Yo! <laughs> <laughs>